Hey everyone, welcome to episode 64, Goldilocks Parenting. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. So I have the coolest concept to share with you that has kind of taken on a life of its own. The last couple weeks, Grady started a new school. It's not as close as we're used to. We both like our sleep. He wants to get there in the window between first bell and second bell. And there's different traffic patterns and there's lots of different variables of what time to wake up, how much does he want to eat, how much time does he need to get ready, how long does he need to snooze, what do I need to do? So we're trying to figure out our new dance, so to speak. And so the first day of school, I think we left around 7.15ish. And he was like, it was way too early, mommy. I was, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. It was way too early. So then we're like, okay, let's back it up to 7.40. And then we left at 7.40 and he was like, no way. That was way too late. That was like, I wasn't late for, because we're not talking about being late for school, but we're talking the time between. We're trying to hit that sweet spot. So then the next day we tried 7.30, then we tried 7.25, then we tried 7.27. And so we keep going back and forth of how, what time do you want to wake up? How long do you want to press snooze? What do you need to do to get ready? How long do you need? What are the essential things that have to be done? Maybe some things can be done in the car. And so we came up with this thing called Goldilocks time. Because at first it was too early. So I was like, that's like the Goldilocks porridge is too cold. And then it was too late where he's like, everybody had already walked in the classroom. I felt like everybody turned around and looked at me. And we're not talking about being late as far as going to the office and getting a late pass. He was just trying to get that sweet spot where he wanted to get his most amount of sleep. We wanted to see how the traffic was, and there's lots of different ways to get there. So we were playing with it. So 7.15 was way too early, so that was too cold. 7.40 was way too late, that was too hot. And right around 7.27 is what we're finding is the Goldilocks time. What does that mean? That means the just right time. So if we leave between 7.25 and 7.30, that's the Goldilocks window. It's just right. No one's rushing. Everyone gets a good night's rest. No one's rushing out the door. I know the different paths to take. And even if I took a different path, we're still going to make it with plenty of time. It's not going to be too early and not going to be too late. So it got me to think about how we can apply this Goldilocks concept to all the things in our life. Like in the morning, I want to help him get ready, but I don't want to enable him and be tying his shoes and reminding him of a hundred different things. So I'm always trying to be like that floater in the morning where I'm helping and he knows I'm there to help, but I'm not doing it for him because he's in fourth grade now. So you want to give the reins to your kids' lives as early as possible and you want to set them up for success and then you watch them fly. Like when he was in first grade and he was forgetting his lunchbox, I put the lunchbox in front of the door and he would trip over it and be like, oh, my lunchbox. And then he would grab it. And then I would reinforce that like, wow, look at you. You're so responsible. That must make you feel so awesome to be so responsible to remember your lunch. Now, you know, you're not going to have a hungry tummy. So then the next day I put it on the dining room table bench, which is right next to the door. Then he would grab it. I would reinforce how it made him feel, not how it made me feel. That's extra credit. 
but how responsible that must make him feel. So then it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you always want to find that balance of setting your kid up for success, having them taste that success, and then reinforcing how great it makes them feel. Because then they're doing the thing because of how it makes them feel, not because they want mom and dad's approval. Because you can't always be there to give it to them. Or you might forget. Or you might not notice. It kind of goes back to when we're teaching them how to ride a bike. If you haven't taught a child how to ride a bike yet, it kind of goes in stages. Where first they're riding like a three-wheeler that's low to the ground. Then you might do the balance bikes or the bikes with the training wheels. Then when they get really good at that, then you take the training wheels off and you're kind of spotting them. Then you take the training wheels off and you're not spotting them, but you're running, kind of holding on behind them, but not really, where they think you're holding, you're kind of shadowing them. And this goes on in different stages. And you're gradually pulling yourself away, but always being the supportive spot for them, so to speak. Then they're riding their bike on their own and they're still going to fall and that's okay. I'm 45 and I fell off my bike last year and had a really nasty spill. So it still happens, but they always know that you're there, whether there's training wheels, you're running beside them, behind them, holding on to them, spotting them, or sitting in the driveway watching them ride their bikes down the sidewalk. So last week we talked a lot about making decisions for your kids and everybody wants to know the right way to make the right decisions. They want to always do the right thing. And what if there is no right way, but there's a hundred right ways, but not just one right way? I think that will help a lot with garnering confidence because you know what's best for your child because this soul was matched up with your soul. And so your two souls have united. And so they are going to teach you so much and you're going to teach them so much. I remember when my sister was nursing her daughter and it just wasn't going well. She called my mom just bawling her eyes out. I can't believe this is so hard. I don't know what to do. I I tried this. I tried that. And my mom comforted her by saying, no one knows your baby like you do. So I could give you advice. Your sisters could give you advice. Online could give you advice. But no one has that inner knowing other than you. No one more than you. And she said that always stuck with her and gave her so much confidence about all the decisions because we always want to know the right one. And so we're looking for that one right way. And so that's why sometimes we get in the comparison game of what other people are doing. And what other people are doing is right also because it's right for their family. And remember, they're the ones losing sleep over their decisions and you're the ones losing sleep over your decisions. Not that you should lose sleep, but that obsessive overthinking that we all do about our kids, there is no one right way. And that kind of gives you comfort. And then you, you don't look at, see what other people are doing. You might use it as feedback, but it's with a grain of salt based on where they are in your Saturn. When I was a counselor, I had a parent who was coming to lunch every day and she was helping her child eat her apple. And she was taking a bite of the apple, taking the bite of apple out of her mouth and then giving it to her child because she didn't want her teeth to hurt while she was chewing on the apple. It wasn't just the first bite, but it was all the bites. And so where is the balance of eating the apple for the child and having them break their teeth on the first bite. Where's the Goldilocks parenting and helping a child eat an apple? There's always going to be something that's too cold where you feel like that is way too extreme to give a kindergartner and have them eat the apple for them and get this so germy. And this was years ago, way before COVID or anything like that. But that's kind of like the extreme of it's too cold. And then maybe if you give an apple to a five-year-old and they don't have their front teeth, that's hard for them. So maybe give them sliced apples. So giving a full apple might be too hard for a five-year-old or this five-year-old. Taking bites of the apple and then giving it to the child from your mouth, that might be a little cold. But in the middle, maybe pack sliced apples. There's always a middle. And the middle is always what is best for your family. 
and for you and for your child based on their age, based on their grade, based on their temperament, based on who they are, and based on your connection. And the older they get, the more you can get their input on what would be Goldilocks parenting. Some kids need more kind of hovering energy. Some kids, not so much. They buck the system. That's why this podcast is hard to give blanket, quote-unquote, advice. I hope I've said 150 times that your inner knowing and unleashing that power within yourself is the right way. And you're not always going to be right, and that's okay. It's a lot of winging it. It's a lot of hope and prayer and doing what you think is best in that situation with the information that you have at that time. And you might look back and say, oh, I should have done this way or I should have done this way, but it's still not a wrong decision because you have to look at intention when you're making the decision, when you're choosing the Goldilocks parenting. I kind of akin it to my running where I like to run If I'm running a 5K, a 9 to 10 minute pace is like really, really a lot of work for me. So I have the little RunKeeper app chirping in my ear. And if I'm going 8 or 9 minutes, that means it's all adrenaline and I better chill out because I am going to burn out. I'm going to crash and burn. Now, that used to be the pace when I was in college playing soccer. It was like six, seven, eight minute pace. That was like on fire. I just know that my Goldilocks time is in the nine to 10 minute range. But as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit slower, but I don't beat myself up for that. And even, I think it's becoming more late tens and shooting in the nines is really, really hard. So I'm gonna say a solid 10 is my Goldilocks running. Anything with a 10 in front of it, I'm happy as a lark. If I'm at a nine, that's gonna be too cold. It's going to be way too fast for me to keep up. I'm going to crash and burn. 11, 12, that's probably a little too hot, and I need to pick up the pace a little bit. I might be coasting a little bit. Now, if I'm doing a marathon, 11, 12, that is like, let's go. So you have to take it in proportion to what is your sweet spot for you. When I was teaching first grade, I would find out what the kid's reading level was, and it was always listed by the year and then the month within that year. So it would be like first grade, six months. So if I had a first grade, six month child reading, I would give them books that weren't too hard or too hot because that's frustrating for them. If I give a child who's reading 1.6, that means middle of first grade. If I give them a book like, let's say Harry Potter, because you just know how hard that is, that child is going to be crying and upset and frustrated and reading is not going to be fun. If I give that child an ABC book or the cat can run, the cat can sit, the cat can jump, and that's more like a kindergarten book, the child is going to be pretty bored and it's going to be too cold. So finding that Goldilocks book on their instructional level is going to challenge them, keep their attention, and also grow them in the process. And that's what we want to do with our parenting. Finding that middle, finding that sweet spot, finding that Goldilocks parenting, finding that Goldilocks book, finding that Goldilocks pace, finding that Goldilocks training them to ride a bike, finding that Goldilocks of helping them get ready in the morning, and finding that win-win for you and for your child. As they get older, you can ask for input. When they're a baby and you're going between cry it out and holding them all night, there is a middle between that, but you can't ask the baby. That's when your intuition comes in. Where is the Goldilocks in this? Because I think a lot of times our brain I know my brain does this. It wants to go to all or nothing. It's either all or nothing. So if I'm helping someone lose weight and they have a program that has them working out five days a week, 
with yoga on Saturday and rest day on Sunday, if that's the program that they lined up with, if they miss one day, they throw the baby out with the bathwater and they're just like, I'm out. I can't do it. Or if they go out to dinner and they overindulge and they get dessert and drink too many margaritas, they're like, oh, I was great for six days, but that seventh day, I knew I was going to mess up. And then they just quit altogether. Because that all or nothing thinking is always stemming from our childhood of having to get the A. So if we can't get the A in our eating and our exercising and our parenting and our keeping our house organized and keeping up with the laundry, whatever it is, if we're going for that A, it's all or nothing. So if we just miss a day, then we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. And then it's like we feel like we have to start all over because it's all or nothing. It's black and white. And that's not how the world works. Black and white, hot and cold, that's what Goldilocks dealt with. But finding that sweet spot you missed a day, guess what? The next day you just do it again. But you don't beat yourself up in the process. You are what we call a human. I will mess up. You will mess up. And it's not even a mess up. You're like, oh, okay, tomorrow's going to be a different day. Learn from that. When the kids are doing their homework, what's the Goldilocks in helping? That is all depending on their age, their ability, their temperament, who they are. I know if I try to go in and hover over Lily and say, hey, you need some help with your homework? She would look at me like I had six heads. Like, what are you doing here? What, what's going on? She would literally look at me like, because she loves the responsibility of being kind of on her own. And if she, she knows that David and I are always there if she needs us, but if we go in and we're too hot and we're all over her, like white on rice, she'd be like, girl, I'm out. See ya. But if we just leave her in the dust and don't care, you see how that's different? The Goldilocks parenting is like, I'm here if you need me, even though in the back of my mind, I know you probably don't. But if you do, I'm here for you, boo. I remember when it took us so long to get pregnant. You all know the story. If you haven't listened in the past, it took us a very long time. And unconsciously, I was telling myself through all those years is, if this ever happens, you can't mess it up because this is pretty much all your fault while you're not, why you're not getting pregnant and why David's not a father. So when it does happen, you better step up to the plate. This was all said to myself unconsciously. Those whispers that we say to ourselves, the biggest bully on the planet. You know how Lily's at school and they say have the saying for bullies, see something, say something? Well, we have to make sure that we see something and say something when it's happening to ourselves. And so I remember saying that over and over and over to myself, not even knowing because it's all unconsciously. We have 60,000 thoughts. Most of those thoughts are things that we say to ourselves. So for those six years, I was subconsciously telling myself that I can't mess it up once these kids come. So once those babies were laying on my chest and laying in the bassinet and I'm looking at them going, holy moly responsibility. Are you kidding me? I can't do this. I'm not good enough for this. Look at that precious soul. I am not worthy of this. This is the type of love that no one told me about. It was very ooey-gooey, but it was also like very painful. The amount of responsibility was enormous. So I said to myself, unconsciously, of course, you can't mess this up. I was like a chanting in my ear. You can't mess this up. You can't mess this up. So what did I become? I became a person that was obsessed with not messing it up. So I was parenting from this fear-based place, and that's where I was messing it up because I was all consumed with messing it up, that I was messing it up because I was all consumed. Here's a little secret. You can't mess it up. You're like, that's crazy, Kelly. No way. Moms tell me all the time. No way. Of course I can mess it up. I got to be perfect. I got to have the perfect parties. They got to have perfect grades. Their hair has to be perfect. It has to be in a perfect bow. They have to be great at sports. They always have to use their manners. Here's the thing I ask in return. Did your parents mess up at all? And I get this giant nod like, yeah, they did. 
And guess what? It all turned out okay. See how you can kind of take a breath and lean into that where you can't mess it up? And then you can get super comfortable. You're like, let's go. I'm going to wing it. We're going to find win-wins. I'm going to do Goldilocks parenting, B minus all day long. Because when we want to be the perfect parent, the child gets the message that they need to be perfect in return. And that, my friend, is tons of pressure and tons of anxiety. What if we just have average, normal, everyday kids? That's a really fun kid to love because then you're loving the kid as is and they don't have to get straight A's. They don't have to be the captain of any teams. They don't always have to say please and thank you. They just have to be themselves. And then they're healthy striving to do well at school, do well at sports, using their manners, being Christ-like we talk about a lot in our house. Do you see how that's different? That's Goldilocks childhood, where they don't have to be or do or act to get our love and our appreciation and our affirmations and our acceptance, because that's all they want is unconditional acceptance. So how would you show up if they were getting C's and D's, not playing sports if that's important to you, and didn't say please and thank you? Where can we be Goldilocks parents where we encourage it, but not demand it? So they can have a Goldilocks childhood where they can meet in the middle. Brene Brown talks a lot about this in her book, The Gifts of Imperfections. And she talks the difference of being perfect versus healthy striving. Because I think a lot of times our parenting has to be the extreme where it's too hot, where it has to be perfect. Most parents I talk to want to be perfect. And then they are frustrated because they are not. And I only know this because I lived it. So that was kind of like too hot of parenting. Too cold of parenting is the parents that don't care, don't sign the permission slip, don't even check their backpack, don't wash their clothes. You can have cotton candy for breakfast, marshmallows for dinner because they've just given up. It's like, it's too much, I'm out. That would be too cold. That would be an example. But Goldilocks parenting is right in the middle where Brene Brown calls it healthy striving. Instead of having to be the perfect parent, why not be the healthy striving parent and encourage the kids to be the same? They're going to mess up and you're going to mess up. And it's all going to be messy and awesome and beautiful together because at the core of all the messing up is nothing but love, empathy, and compassion. Because I think sometimes conscious parenting gets a bad rep where it's a free-for-all, there's no rules, there's no structure. Kids go to sleep at 1130 because their throbbing spirit says it. They have popsicles for dinner. They don't need to really go to school. If they want to go to school, if their spirit says to go to school, if not, let's just go outside and hug a tree. That is not conscious parenting. That would what would be called too cold, where it's just a free-for-all. Now, too hot parenting, when we're talking about porridge, would be strict, yelling, name-calling, door-slamming, cursing, toe-the-line, militant, who do you think you are, do as I say, I'm the boss, you live here, respect me. That might be a little too hot. That's where you're going to get your strong-willed kids that are going to fight back to that because that's not really comforting and loving to be around, unless it is for your kids. So I always say, is it working for you? If it's working for you, then keep doing more of it. But there is that Goldilocks parenting in the middle that I really hope I get across on this podcast of the middle ground, the win-win, where you're working with your child, not against your child. The Goldilocks parenting of what Randy Rubenstein calls the assertive pack leader energy. It's that confident energy, like when I'm walking Maggie, too cold of walking Maggie would be like, I don't know, are we going to go here? Let's go here. Let's go the first leg. No, I'm not sure. And we're, I'm just very insecure holding her leash. Believe me, I'm not comparing children to puppies. I'm using that as a analogy because I'm an analogy junkie. So that'd be too cold of like, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. 
it's just when we first got Maggie, I didn't know how to walk her. That was my energy. It was just very like very unsure, very insecure, looking to see what everybody else was doing because I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And she picked up on that. So she was skittish. She was like, what is up with this chick? They pick up on energy and so do kids. Too hot of walking Maggie would be yanking her by the chain and I'm the boss of you and here we go. We're going to go here. But instead, the pack leader energy that Cesar Milan talks about all the time of, I got you, boo. We are going to go for a walk and we're going to have an amazing time and you're going to have a good time and I'm going to have a good time because it's going to be a win-win. So finding that middle ground, that Goldilocks parenting works for you and it works for your kids. And the older they get, the more you can ask for their feedback. You can say to them, how much do you need me here? I'm here no matter what. How much do you need me? Use me how you need me to. Not from a place of taking advantage, but allowing them to know that you're there, but not overly there. Because the older they get, the less they need you. When they're young, they need you at all the things. And that's okay. Because as they get older, it's like riding the bike. You're gradually pulling yourself away, but you're always spotting them. When you're teaching them to drive a car, first they you're sitting in the passenger seat and you're giving them lots of directions. Then you kind of tone down a little bit. You might have them go to driving school. Then they're allowed to drive during the day by themselves when they turn 16. Then they're allowed one night a week to go get pizza with friends on a Friday night. Do you see how Goldilocks parenting kind of takes you out of it slowly but surely? It kind of weans you off when you were breastfeeding. If you ever breastfed, weaning them from breastfeeding, going to a bottle, then it goes to a sippy cup, then it goes to a regular cup and there's water everywhere. It's always an evolution and it's always finding that middle that works for you and it works for your kids. And it works for your sanity, your anxiety, and it works for their sanity and their anxiety. And there's not a lot of pressure. It's okay to mess it up a little bit. I tell myself that all the time. And I tell my kids that all the time. And that takes the pressure off. And ironically, they mess up less because they're not feeling like they have to walk on a tight wire of perfection because they don't have to do, they don't have to be, they don't have to say anything because the love is unconditional. It's not on a dimmer switch. We're just babysitting God's children, and we're along for the ride. And we get to watch this beauty unfold right before our eyes and finding that middle ground for you, for your child, and for anyone else that's living in the house. And that is how you have harmony in the home. I'll talk to you next week. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas. Thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com and if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.